You've tuned into The Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to The Dr. Lowe Show. Hello, everybody. Thanks for coming back for another episode of Dr. Lowe Show. I am Dr. Lauren Noel, your host, and thanks for joining me. I'm looking forward to this episode. I know a lot of you are excited about it. This is um, a very relevant topic as most of my listeners are women. So we all get periods. Most of us do. So I know that this will be very relevant to a lot of you. And um, yeah, this is something I treat a lot in my practice. Every woman is so different. Some women have crazy mood swings. Other women, their skin explodes before their period. Other women, they get diarrhea before their periods. Um, But it's all kind of around the theme of hormone balance. And that's a, a very you know, complex topics. So in this show, we tease through a lot of those details and give a lot of guidance and suggestions for how this can really be improved for you. Now, sometimes you really do need to get some testing done. You know, maybe you resonate with some of the things we talk about, but you want to actually get your hormones tested and see how they look. So if you want to do that and you would like to set up an appointment, I'm happy to work with you. I can test your hormones, whether you are local in San Diego or if you're out of state, we can set that up. It's no problem. So just check us out over at shinenaturalmedicine.com. That's my practice here in San Diego, and we can definitely help you out. Now, when I have a patient come to see me with hormone issues, especially period issues, one of the very first things I think about is their liver. Our livers are responsible for detoxifying our body. But the thing is, is that, and also our livers detox our hormones. That's how they're connected to our cycles. But a lot of times our livers are inundated with extra work because of the foods we eat, the toxins we're exposed to, even without our knowledge. We can do everything right, but we're just exposed to things in the air and our water. So working on the liver really helps with menstrual cycles. If you've been wanting to try some herbal support for your liver, I would highly encourage you to give Organifi a shot. They have a product called Liver Detox that has a really great blend of herbs that support proper elimination of toxins and also have been highly studied in the research to work for regenerating the liver, detoxifying the liver, milk thistle in particular. That's one of the ingredients included. We've all heard of milk thistle artichoke leaf extract, which has been found to help decrease fat and cholesterol in the liver and helping just with detoxing power. Dandelion root. So dandelion root is, for any naturopathic people out there, you know how great of an herb this is, but dandelion root has actually been found to protect the liver from damage caused by alcohol or painkillers like Tylenol. And for my listeners, you get a special 20% off this product or any of the Organifi products just by being a listener. So if you want to try the liver detox, you just head over to Organifi.com, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And then at checkout, you enter the discount code DRLO20, so D-R-L-O-2-0, and you get hooked up. All right, let's jump into the show and talk about how to fix your period. We have 
have a new guest on the show, but someone who I've been following on the interwebs for a while, and I think she has from a distance too. And we finally get to meet in the middle and talk about periods. And I sent a, um, a, a poll on, on Instagram, and you guys have a lot of period questions. So I know this is a hot topic. And I've done shows on periods before, but it's like, it's never too many on periods because we all have new questions. We're all so different. So joining me, we have Nicole Jard. Is it Jardim? It is. You okay. got it right. I didn't wow. even ask you before. That was Congrats. so rude of me. Nicole Jardim. <laughs> so she is a certified women's health coach, writer, speaker, mentor, and she's the creator of Fix Your Period, which is a series of programs that empower women to reclaim your hormone health using a method that combines evidence-based information with simplicity and sass. I like that. Um, her work has helped tens of thousands of women around the world with issues like, you know, period problems like PMS, irregular periods, PCOS, painful and heavy periods, missing periods, and a lot more. <laughs> so rather than treating problems or symptoms, she's, she's really similar in my philosophy is getting to the root of the problem and, and addressing that rather than just like taking Midol or Aleve or, you know, masking your symptoms is let's actually get to the root of it. She's also a new author of Fix Your Period six weeks to banish bloating, conquer cramps, manage moodiness, and ignite lasting hormone balance. And that is being released in April this year. So excited. And co-author of The Happy Balance, which is a recipe book filled with over 80 hormone balancing recipes. She's also the co-host of The Period Party. How fun. A top-rated podcast on iTunes. Be sure to tune in to that if you want to learn how to fix your period on with more ticky-tacky details. I love it. Welcome <laughs> to the show. Thank you so much for having me. You're so cute. <laughs> I we love were it. Just, you know, we were supposed to record last week and both of us had like a total curveball week of our own periods. Um, but that wasn't why I canceled mm -hmm. it. I had a, a curveball from, from Zion, but it was both like, oh, thank, thank goodness. We'll take a, just a breather. Right. And yeah, I know just a little rain check is a big part of it. So we'll get into all the details, but you yourself focus a lot on this because of your own period journey. So share a little bit about that with us. Yeah, you know, I was the poster child for period problems, literally. I remember being 14 or 15 and being that girl at the sleepover who had to have a towel on her bed because yeah. she leaked through all of her pajamas, usually by midnight. And oh. I, you know, I would miss school because my period pain was so bad. And I just remember as I got older, my period would start to come every two months, then every three months. And then finally it was coming like four months apart. And my mom finally said, okay, we need to go to the doctor. The period pain and the heavy periods were definitely not the indicator. It was like this weird <laughs> time between my periods. Wow. So I, I finally went and saw a gynecologist and she put me on the pill, which at the time I thought was... A miracle. I mean, I was finally yeah. joining the ranks of the pill popping ladies that I was totally. friends with at the time. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, everybody was on it. Right, exactly. And it really was like my silver bullet. You know, it, it stopped the, the heavy bleeding, the period every 28 days. And, and then I had five to seven days of bleeding. It was amazing. And so yeah. I really felt like I had found, you know, my period panacea, so to speak. And it, unfortunately, what then happened was I started having crazy side effects and they were all seemingly unrelated. So it really felt like it was one of those situations where I was going crazy because yeah. I had all of these problems and I went to multiple doctors as you do when you have gut health issues, hair loss, melasma all over your face, 
uh, chronic UTIs and yeast infections. Like you just go to everybody and, and nobody ever connected the dots. Like nobody ever said anything about the pill that I was on it for a long period of time. No one ever connected any dots. And it wasn't until seeing an acupuncturist when I had just about given up on my life because I was mm. so unwell in my early twenties that I finally had answers. I mean, he immediately said, oh, you know, it could be the birth control pill and here's why. And that was like light bulbs went off. And that was really the catalyst for starting all of the work that I do. And it took many years to get to this point, but yeah. it really did trigger this, this innate desire to learn and understand because what I was not getting from conventional medicine is a reason why everything was happening. It was just yeah. like, well, you know, take this pill or, you know, maybe do this test or let's wait and see. But there was never really a definitive answer as to why anything was happening in my body in the first place. Yeah, for sure. I know I was, I, I went and did um, postnatal Pilates this morning before I did on Tuesday mornings. And, and we were talking about, I said, you know, let me know if you have any period questions. Cause I'm going to do a period show right after this. <laughs> and my, um, instructor she's like you know we're like oh let's let's you know getting into the, all the questions about it and, and we're talking about how really like you never learn about healthy periods anywhere like not in school not at your doctor like your doctor just gives you a pill like what you talked about so you, really young women don't know anything about this unless they learn from their their mom but she may not know mm -hmm. so a lot of a lot of us are really in the dark when it comes to you know a, a period and healthy cycles and, and what we can do. I mean, it's just, it, it makes me so sad to think of how many young ladies are on the pill and don't need to be on it at all. Totally. I know. I think about this a lot with regard to teenagers because I was a teenager when I went on the pill, but I was in my late teens. So I had, you know, I'd experienced enough of my teenage years that I wasn't on the pill, but I am seeing this more and more. And I'm sure you have too, where, you know, we have 12 and 13 year old girls who are put on the pill for, you know, whether it's heavy periods or period pain or irregular cycles or because they don't want a period anymore, or they just don't want a period at all, which, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of too in the news. Yeah. It's so interesting. But I, you know, what I think is the biggest issue is that we're fundamentally not taught to understand how our bodies work, right? We're not taught right. this concept of body literacy, or I like to take it further and say period literacy, which is this idea that we are, you know, understanding how our menstrual cycles work and how it impacts other bodily systems and being able to recognize when there is something wrong with our unique menstrual cycle and using it as a tool to, you know, further improve your health is not something that we have any understanding of at all. And in fact, it's really something that we end up learning about way later down the line after we've had all these problems with some form of birth control or we've taken other medications when really we just needed to be addressing the period problem from the root cause like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, right. Yeah. Absolutely. So period problems are different in different phases of, of a woman's life, right? I know that you talk about in your book, there's issues when maybe in your teens or in your twenties, and that might be different like in your thirties and in your forties. So, so let's, let's talk through that a little bit. What are some of the kind of imbalances or, or issues that you're seeing for people? Yeah, I think that the main issues that I see for people who have periods are heavy, periods, painful periods, and irregular cycles. Like I would say, and then of course, PMS symptoms and PMD is creeping up there, but mm. those are the four big ones, I think. And 
you know, again, it really varies, right? As you know, it varies from decade to decade. And I, I joke about this a lot because I have a folder of text messages and emails from friends over the years of crazy period stories or crazy <laughs> things that they've had, that have had happen with their period. And they're like, Nicole, what is this? What's wrong mm-hmm. with me? And a lot of it is women who are in their early to mid thirties. And they're just like, what is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> like, You'd be amazed do- how many friends have sent me pictures of their poop. Like, what is this? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know I'm the poop doctor, but I'm, I'm shifting to more fertility now. Okay. You can't send these anymore. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I have certainly received a number of pictures of blood clots in friends' oh, hands. Oh, yes, I know. Oh. I mean, I'm just like, come on, you guys. Are you kidding it. me? I'm like, if it's bigger than the palm of your hand, you have a serious yeah. problem on your hands. Wow. Yeah, I know, right? Seriously, Goodness. not even kidding. I know. Okay. And I think like what's so important to differentiate between teenage years and 20s and 30s is that in your teens, things are a little erratic. I mean, they're kind of meant to be that way. When you think about the fact that your reproductive system, your ovaries have been completely dormant for your whole life. And then suddenly something triggers them to start releasing an egg, your ovary that is, to release an egg. I mean, that is a monumental shift in how your body is functioning. And so of course, you know, we're not going to be running in the Olympics at two years old, right? We're going to be training for a long period of time. And so your body does really need an initiation period. And so I find that like, anywhere from five to seven-ish years after an initial period, your reproductive system is adjusting to its new role. And so what I find is that we tend to have in our teenage years, these anovulatory cycles where you're not ovulating, this slower follicle development, and even a smaller dominant follicle where your egg is released from than when you are an adult woman. Mm -hmm. And so that that will usually trigger, you know, lower progesterone, these Mm -hmm. skipped periods, irregular cycles, or heavier bleeding or more frequent bleeding. And you know that, again, is when most of us are just put on some form of birth control. But I always encourage the, our, my teenage ladies to try and stick it out or to really think about how they can address their diet and their lifestyle, mm-hmm. which you know, I outline in the book because it's really important to do that. And also, I know that a lot of us don't think about this, but everything you're doing now is setting you up for later on because <laughs> there's mm-hmm. definitely a continuum on this, this menstrual cycle journey that we're on. Yeah. So I would say, you know, for teenagers, that that's really what you should be focused on. And of course, if you have anything, any of these kinds of symptoms going on for longer than three months, definitely see the doctor. But I think that there tends to be some normalcy in the abnormal yeah. <laughs> as a teenager. So like, let's say a mom is taking her daughter into the doctor and she's having all those symptoms you're talking about. And the doctor's like, I want you to put on, go on birth control. And the mom's like, I don't know what to do. So if you were her, if you were the mom, what would be kind of what you would talk about with your daughter? How would you approach that? You know, I would, first of all, I would have been having conversations about my daughter's period for many, many years. I think that that's another thing that we tend to be missing in our society is the ritual around menstrual cycles in general. And the, yeah, right. And the fact that we are really not preparing our children to have healthy relationships with their period and their overall menstrual cycle and their bodies in general. And this certainly isn't to place any blame on anyone, but it really is to highlight the fact that 
we have deep discomfort, I think, in our generation and in generations previous to us around our bodies and periods. And that's reflected in what I see in comments on posts online all the time about, you know, how gross periods are, what a pain in the ass they are. We never, ever talk about periods in a positive way as being this, you know, this barometer for your overall health. I mean, men just don't have this at all. They don't have anything to really tell them what's wrong with them. Whereas every single month for most yeah. of us, if we cycle regularly, we've got this thing telling us that, well, you know, like if your period's too heavy, for instance, that could be a sign of higher estrogen in relation to progesterone. Or if your period is missing, that might be that you are not, you don't have enough calories in your diet or you don't have enough body fat. I mean, there's so many ways that your period can indicate that something's going on in your body. Mm-hmm. And coming back to girls and teenagers, I just think that one of the ways to start this conversation is to just be completely emotionless about it because right. kids don't have any emotion or expectations attached to it. You know, a friend of mine mentioned to me the other day that uh, she had a tampon out and her son asked her what it was and she explained it you know, really, you know, really easily. It was just like, oh, well, every month I get a period and this is what it is. And he was like, oh, okay. And shrugged his shoulders and kept on doing what he was doing. <laughs> I didn't really care. And so if we could just bring that you know, that sort of um, childlike curiosity to these conversations with our kids, I think that it would completely shift the way girls feel about their periods. Because I remember getting my period, I was super psyched about it, but the people around me were completely mortified. Like I had friends who were like, why didn't you tell me you got your period? And like, they're making such a big deal out of it and embarrassing me. And but I was like, I'm really happy about this. Like, don't ruin it for me. Yeah. But anyway, my mom, you know, got me a book, but she never really explained anything. And I could sense her discomfort. And when children can sense your discomfort, I mean, they're going to, they're going to pick up on that and they're going to embody that too. So mm-hmm. with all of that said, you know, I would be so focused on what's really great for your body in terms of food and stress management techniques. I was never taught how to, you know, how to manage my emotions at all, how to manage my anger, my frustration, my disappointments. Mm-hmm. And so I ate as a teenager instead, or, you know, or I gossiped or like I did things that were not healthy or really conducive to having a healthy period really. Yeah. Um, and so I really think about, you know, how can we position eating better or, you know, meditating or exercising or any of these activities that will help our periods inevitably. How can we position that for a teenager in a way that it makes sense for them? Totally. I would say teenagers, I mean, there's probably so much sugar in the typical teenage diet. And I know sleep is, I mean, teenagers need more sleep than adults, but yet it's not always the case. I definitely find that for patients. And, And I can think back when I was in high school, I mean, I didn't prioritize sleep at all. Um, you know, so, (laughs) so I I think that just making sure the diet's clean and and trying to, but it starts with the parents. If the mom is like, Oh, my period. And then she's trying to teach her daughter, like, love your period. It starts with you, mama. Yep. (laughs) It totally does. Right. I know. Mm -hmm. I know it really does. So what about maybe further on, like in twenties, thirties, I know progesterone can start to change in the thirties. So what are things you're, you're seeing more so then? Yeah, like I was saying, you know, I find that what I see in the early to mid 30s is women noticing that their periods are either getting longer or heavier or right. their cycles are shortening. So their overall cycle is is shortening to less than like 24 days long. Mm-hmm. And uh, they and so that's really what I'm seeing and I always feel like 
you know, that's just sort of an indication, first of all, that what you were doing in your 20s no longer works for you in your 30s, because mm-hmm. I really see that shift between 30 and 32. And I think the second thing is we're just not as resilient, right? We're just not, we can't bounce back like we did when we were 24, which really sucks. And it's such a hard pill to swallow. But this is why, you know, really paying attention to the foundations of health, like your yeah. diet, your stress management and possibly proper supplementation for some of us is really critically important. I mean, like you still have youth on your side, so keep that in mind. But I find that, you know, this is the time of your life when so many things are happening, right? I mean, you've gone from your twenties to, you know, where you graduated from college, you've uh, gotten a job, maybe changed jobs. You started a business even, uh, you've potentially had kids, but really I find it ramps up all of that ramps up in your thirties. I don't know. My life got extremely serious in my thirties. Did yours? Same. Yeah. Same. yeah. I was like, what the hell happened? What? I don't even know. It's a strange transition. There was a period but- of a brief little sweet spot. And then I think things got crazy again with work and then like creating golden eggs, my program, and then having Zion on and then with my dog like having like health stuff like it's just gotten wild and so I've had to really step up my self-care and my sleep and I have like a morning and night routine that I'm like very you know very protective of <laughs> yes. now very attached Otherwise, to that it too. all just falls apart <laughs> I, know. I totally feel you on this it's amazing it really does shift uh, significantly and so what I, I was going to say too is that you know we're all under this impression that at 35 you are, you're like persona non grata, you know, like you've suddenly going to fall off of this hormone cliff. And yeah, yeah, everyone talks about this. Perimenopause starts at 35. And I've heard that, you know, you can't get pregnant as easily after 35. And like all of these crazy myths about Mm -hmm. what happens when you turn 35. I really like to try and debunk these things because again, you know, I feel way better now than I did when I was 25 after coming off the pill, right? When you think about how you feel and your energy and just generally how you're showing up in life. For me, I'm, I just turned 40. So I feel like if for me, it's really changed. I just turned 39. Oh, you did? Close. Yeah. Yeah. We're so close. I didn't, I mean, I say just, I mean, September. (laughs) Oh, mine was okay. Mine's January. So yeah. Well, happy, happy belated for you for real. Yeah. I'm like, just, I know, I guess I'm pushing on the six month mark, so I can't really say that anymore. It's okay. Yeah. Still celebrate it. <laughs> right, but it's so, true. I, I agree with you. It's like you can't just say, "Oh, I'm 35 now. I'm falling off this cliff." It's just that's not the case. And keep in mind that's average women, but people listening to the show ain't average. True, right. very true. Not I average. completely agree with that. <laughs> yes, I know. And so this idea of like perimenopause starts, and you know, this big transition is starting to happen. It might be the case, but like I was saying, you're setting that foundation from the time you're a girl or a teenager for lifelong hormonal and period health. And so I see some women who sort of float into perimenopause and, you know, they notice a few little wonky things here and there, like their period may skip a month or they may have a heavier than normal period a few months out of the year. But other than that, things stay pretty consistent. And so far that's been my experience for myself and a lot of my clients. And so I just, I really encourage everyone to think about that, to think that this is not some sort of death sentence and this is not something where you're going to be, you know, your life is going to come to a crash and burn end. <laughs> it's yeah. really not like that at all because you, you will experience changes. And so I notice, like into your forties, that's where, you know, things become a little bit more turbulent, like where you may start having like these flooding type periods 
or, um, you know, just like heavier periods in general, or you might like have longer periods and then you might just go months without a period. But ultimately we have so much control over that. And I just, I want to remind women of that, understand that you have so much autonomy (laughs) over your body. And there is a ton of information out there. I mean, like we've all got programs and books to help people now, and you really have the power to address a lot of this through the way you eat and the way you live your life. Totes. I'm going to take it to the Instagram questions because I think these will be helpful for everyone to, to learn from. So, um, this is a question. So angry slash short fuse during your period tips to help. Mm, Yeah. You know, here's my, here's my take on this. I have found that if you find yourself getting increasingly angry, frustrated, just generally annoyed, you know, like your partner doesn't know whether happy you or angry you is going to walk in the door or it's impacting your relationships. And this is something that you find is getting progressively worse because that's what I hear a lot of, right? It's just getting so much worse, Nicole. I don't know what's wrong. Again, remember your hormonal resilience, right? As you get older, it changes. And so what I have found is that this is increasing. This is a combination of things. So this is increasing inflammation in your body because gut inflammation equals brain inflammation. And unfortunately, this is combined or coupled with a lower progesterone state. Mm -hmm. And so we tend to be in this lower progesterone state as we get older, mostly because things we're getting older. And again, we're not as resilient to the stressors in life and, um, or we're not ovulating as consistently in some cases. And that has to do with that inflammation happening in the body, certain lack of nutrients, uh, things of that nature or excess stress. And, you know, it's preventing ovulation from happening consistently. And so all of this combined creates this perfect storm, right? And every single month you're operating at more and more of a a deficit, a progesterone deficit in particular, And what you end up dealing with is these horrible symptoms and they just get worse and worse. And so what I find is that in addition to that, we also, as a society, do not recognize this time of our cycle as being a sacred time where we should probably pull back the reins on what it is that we're doing in our lives, right? Like maybe you're taking you know, you're taking a little bit more time to get to work in the mornings or you're not scheduling all of these meetings or social events or public speaking or, you know, having a birthday party for your 40th or whatever, you know, like you're not doing all of this crazy stuff that you might do in the first half of your cycle in the second half of your cycle. Um, Dr. Christian Northup talks about this idea that the veil is lifted in the second half of your cycle. And so I always kind of joke that progesterone is a little bit of truth serum because when we are in that second half of our cycles, we see things for what they are, right? We're not really blinded by happy estrogen anymore. Mm. And, you know, like she says, the veil has been lifted. And so things that might not have annoyed us or frustrated us in the first half of our cycle when estrogen and testosterone were climbing and life was incredible are now really pissing us off. And I have had women come to me and say things like, in the second half of my cycle, I literally want to divorce my husband. Or yeah, right? Because or my husband is driving me crazy or whatever my partner is. He's breathing wrong. He's breathing wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I know. 
<laughs> right? This does not have to be this way. Obviously, our hormones are changing the way we perceive things, yeah. but it doesn't have to get to the point where it's catastrophic. And so I really recommend you know, first and foremost is you've got to track your cycle. You've got to know when you're going to be in that part of your cycle and prepare for it, right? So make sure that you're not adding things to your life during that time to further stress you because you already have a low tolerance for a lot of stress in that time of your cycle to begin with. Mm. So make sure you're tracking your cycle. Make sure you know that you're ovulating so that you know your body is producing progesterone. Get your progesterone tested five to seven days after you've ovulated. You know, if it's lower than uh, eight nanograms, which is what, you know, they say in the testing and yeah. the test numbers, then it's likely that you have not ovulated in that cycle. And so it'll tell you or track your basal body temperature to see whether you're actually ovulating because your temperature will go up in the second half of your cycle. There's lots of ways to know. And, you know, once you know that, then you can start to take measures to improve ovulation. Yeah. I think that one of the most interesting things I discovered during writing the book was learning about the fact that lipopolysaccharides or LPS, there are these, um, very not fun things, <laughs> harmful, mm. harmful little substances that are released from uh, bacteria in your gut or pathogenic bacteria in your gut. And what is so interesting is that there was a study that I found that found that LPS also has a, a negative impact on your corpus luteum, which is where your all of your progesterone is made. It's where the egg is released from your ovary. And so it was so interesting just hearing the interpretation of this study because basically I was listening to Dr. Grace Liu talk about this. She's the founder of the Gut Institute and she I was went, just talking. I went to Bali with Grace. You did? Oh <laughs> yeah. my gosh, look yeah, at she's that. She's been on the show. She's awesome. Of course she has. Yeah. Well, I was fascinated by what she was saying and she was just talking about the fact that, you know, this is how your gut health is impacting your progesterone. So it's wow. all really connected and we have to be thinking about, you know, what is going on with other aspects of our health yeah. that could potentially be impacting our menstrual cycle. It's totally. Like, when I have yeah. patients come in and they're having a lot of hormone and period problems, a lot of times I'll test their gut. I'll have them do a poop test and you're like, how is this connected? And I'm like, well, think about it. You <laughs> yes. take a pill to help with your hormone stuff. Are you putting a pill in your vagina? No, you're taking it in your, in your mouth and you're, it's going down in your gut. So obviously what you, what is happening in your gut affects your hormones, right? Yeah. That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. I, that's brilliant. Exactly. Amen to that. It's just, it's just simple. And so, yeah, if you're having chronic yeast infections, maybe we should look up your gut. <laughs> oh yeah. I know. I know, know right? I mean, like it's crazy how you'll see a gynecologist and they're like, yeah, let's just, you know, put some, put some stuff up there. It's like, it's like, what about the gut? So anyhow, I yes. On a soapbox. Let me with the gut. Of these questions here. Let's see. Yes. So one question is, is it's like mood stuff around ovulation instead of later in the cycle. What's going on with that? If people feel like once, like around that time, they get a little crazy. Oh my gosh. I love this question because I actually talk about, uh, you know, feeling PMSy around your ovulation time and because it really is such a thing. And, you know, I talk about the idea that, um, we, there tend to be a lot of issues with something known as histamine mm -hmm. and the fact that, you know, I, I don't know, like I definitely have histamine issues. And so this, I think there's so too, a little yeah, bit. Right. I, I certainly have had issues. And so I've, you know, I constantly am asking women if they have headaches or fatigue or bloating or insomnia or irritability around the middle of their cycle. Yeah. And it's amazing how many do. And so I find that, you know, this idea of histamine intolerance is, you know, a condition that 
is really problematic now. And, you know, like histamines, just so everyone knows, you know, they're the things that get a bad rap for those itchy, sneezy, watery eye problems that a lot of us have in allergy season, but they actually serve a really valuable function. And, you know, so like when your body encounters this, an allergen, whatever that is, whether it's pollen or, or dander or whatever, you know, it's going to trigger this release of histamine from immune cells known as mast cells. And so the histamines, you know, they'll dilate your red blood cells, they thin them out and clears the way for your immune system's white blood cells to get to the problem, right? And deal with them. But this is an inflammatory response, right? And so we have all of these symptoms that show up, right? The, the swelling, the hives, the sneezing, whatever. But the problem is, is that we tend to produce too much histamine, or our bodies are not able to clear it out efficiently. efficiently. Mm -hmm. And so this results in having more histamine than the body needs, and it can cause this histamine intolerance problem that a lot of us have. Um, the thing is, is that estrogen triggers the release of histamine <laughs> from mast cells in our uterus and ovaries. And so the more estrogen we have in our body, particularly at ovulation time, because that's when estrogen surges, the more histamines are potentially produced, right? And so of course, the more histamine we produce, unfortunately, has a bit of a cyclical effect and it creates more estrogen as well. So we end up in this vicious cycle. Um, and so that's why I have found a lot of us feel pretty terrible at ovulation when estrogen is highest in the body. And so again, like you were just saying, it comes back to what's going on with your gut health. And so this is, you know, I feel like this is multifaceted in how we deal with it. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of joke, like you can't spot treat your period problems. Like you just mm -hmm. really can't. And everyone's like, well, how do I fix my period? I'm like, well, you got to look at your gut and your liver and your thyroid and your this and your that. <laughs> so there's a lot of, a lot of different aspects to it. And that's why I think like focusing on your gut health and maybe taking out high histamine foods as a start is a really good way to just see if that is possibly having an effect on you know the symptoms that you're experiencing in ovulation. It's so fascinating because I was reading about how histamine issues oftentimes go way down during pregnancy. So oh. it's common where like a woman will say, um, or, or when you're pregnant, you have the, D, the DAO enzyme that's a, mm -hmm. a lot you break down the histamine more. So like if you're a woman who felt amazing while you were pregnant, like me, yes, <laughs> probably something about histamine. Isn't that so fascinating? So I fascinating. feel like that's so, so interesting. I didn't know that. You just like avoid histamine foods. Um, do you work on balancing gut bacteria? Do you take like histamine breaking down enzymes like the Dow? Yes, I would, I would say I, I would say it's a combination of things. I think the first thing is, you know, to really focus on if there is a leaky gut situation happening where, you know, your, your gut is inappropriately permeable to or you know, too permeable, um, then, you know, I would say that we would start there, like working on healing leaky gut. So really what you need to be doing is thinking about what triggers that triggers a gut to start leaking inappropriately to begin with. And that's usually food. And so what I do in the book and in my program is to have women do an elimination diet just to see what's happening uh, with all of those different foods. And then of course, strategically reintroduce those foods to see what triggers a, a sim symptoms or yeah. a reaction. Yeah. And so that's the first step. And then the second thing is, uh, you know, I, I really like the idea of addressing stomach acid issues because I feel like we all have seem to have a collective stomach acid deficiency. Mm. <laughs> and so improving stomach acid production. And then, yeah, like I really like the Seeking Health brand um, 
probiotic, the histamine X. Okay. I've really loved that probiotic. It's, it's helped tremendously my own issues as well as others that I've worked with. So those are some of the symptoms I would suggest. And then also, yeah, like, I mean, as a start, you could just try avoiding high histamine foods and those include, you know, anything that's fermented. Uh, unfortunately, bone broth is also a high histamine food, which makes yeah. me sad. Um, you, and, you, you know, and cheese. Do you feel good on bone broth or do you feel bad? Because I feel bad on bone broth. Actually. Oh, really? Interesting. I feel okay, but the longer that it's cooked, the more I don't, I don't feel good. Oh, that's a really good, yeah, that's such good insight. Bones or something. I don't know. Yeah. There's some pathway there. I think it's some, I think I have like a snip or a mutation and I just know like certain things that don't make me feel good. It probably has to do with that. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the genetics are also so interesting, aren't they? Because totally. I feel like they totally determine what's going to happen. And it might be that you feel a certain way and your best friend is fine. And exactly. I can't get over that because yep. bone broth is okay for me, but I hear what you're saying about, you know, the longer it's cooked, it would make sense that there's possibly, you know, something that happens there that it, it's just becomes too much for your system. What about this? I've had um, a couple friends and heard this over the years where they would get on like one, once their period starts, like on day one, they would actually vomit. They would, they would like defecate and they would pass out. Like what all happened at the same time, like in the bathroom. I've had a couple people say this. Have you ever heard this? Oh yes. Oh yeah. What's I feel like that used to happen to me. Oh my gosh. Really? I definitely used to throw up from period pain. Um, I don't but like vomit, poop and just... pass out like all like in the bathroom, like their, their husband would find them on the floor, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's terrible. Like the, that's the worst trifecta ever, mm. you know? Okay. So there's a few things going on. I think that the first is that everyone should understand that when your progesterone drops at the end of your cycle, that is the trigger for your uterus to start contracting and for you to get your period. And progesterone is anti-inflammatory. So you end up in this pro-inflammatory state after progesterone drops. And so, yeah, I mean, like your menstruation is basically like a pro-inflammatory event, like it's an inflammatory event. And so we, I think we tend to forget that, or we don't even know that this is, you know, the huge shift that happens at the end of our cycles. So that's the first thing. So keep in mind that when your progesterone drops, like there's going to be inflammation, like this is what happens. And this is how your uterus is now starting to produce prostaglandins, which are, you know, essentially going to help it contract its muscles. The thing is, is that those prostaglandins can impact other areas of our health, right? So they yeah. could they could cause you to throw up. Um, they could cause a migraine. Um, there, you know, there's multiple ways that they they show up in our body and and how they sort of trigger, you know, these. So is it these- really like doing the work to help balance the prostaglandins so they're not so inflammatory? That- yeah, I think I think the other I should say the other thing is too is that. Um, I find that women who have endometriosis tend to have a lot of what you just described. Uh, like, true. yes, right? The, the throwing up, the passing out, the pain, the combination of those three. Yeah. So that's really, you know, that's a sign to look deeper. And I would say that when it comes to period pain, we, you know, we have so normalized this in our society. And I'm fascinated by this because uterine pain for some reason is completely normal. But if you were to sprain your ankle, that's definitely not normal, right? Like ankle pain or knee pain or shoulder pain are not normal types of pain. But if your uterus hurts, then it's considered a normal part of just being a woman. Right. And which is crazy. And yet we, so we are, 
what I think we're just under the impression that this is, doesn't indicate anything, but it could certainly indicate a lot of things, right? It can certainly indicate that there's a more serious condition happening like endometriosis. And so we're finally shedding light on that. And I think that if, you know, if you do have pain that disrupts your life in any way, or you're throwing up or you're passing out, to me, that indicates that something deeper is going on. And we have to look at that. Like you have to go see your doctor or try and see a functional doctor or yeah. a naturopath who will, will be able to dig deeper and know the steps to take to figure out what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. But I always say if your pain is worse than you know two ibuprofen worth or it's interrupting or disrupting your day in any way, then to me, that's not normal period pain. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Okay, this is a question. Is it bad to if you bleed for two days, then only spot for two days for your period. I love that. Is it bad? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's bad. Yeah. I, I know. I had somebody say that to me the other day. I'm like, it's not bad. I promise. Yeah. Um, you know, it may, may not be totally ideal for you, but it's definitely not bad. You know, I, I do like to see a period that's three days or longer. And usually that's just in my own practice over the years, observing women who have different imbalances. But there are some women who've had two-day two periods forever and ever, and they feel fine. Yeah. So I think that it's really important to think about the symptoms that you're experiencing along with this you know, two days of bleeding and some spotting. I, like I said, I like to see somewhere between three and seven days. And you know, three to five days to me is ideal. Yeah. Uh, but again, like if you're at two days and maybe you spot for a third day or a fourth day, that to me isn't necessarily an issue unless you have other symptoms. And so usually it would signify that you have, you're lower on the estrogen spectrum and your estrogen maybe isn't building up your uterine lining enough to get it to the point where you're having like a three to four day period. Yeah. And then on the flip side, of course, if you have too much estrogen that's unopposed, then you might be having too long or heavy periods. So what I would say is that you know, if you don't have any other symptoms, for instance, like if you are uh, in a low estrogen state, what I find is not only do you have a short period, but maybe you have a longer cycle or you're not ovulating consistently or, um, you know, you're experiencing hair loss or skin problems or you have mood issues or low libido. Those are all signs that your sex hormones are not really where they're supposed to be. So yeah. that to me would indicate like something more is going on, but mm -hmm. a two day period isn't necessarily a big deal. Yeah, totally. Yes. Um, okay. So I think I have time for maybe one more question. Um, I've had clumpy menstrual blood since I was 12, like can't absorb in a tampon. Why? Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's a, that's a good question. You know, I really, I will say I like to have, I like to see a consistency of like high quality maple syrup. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so your period <laughs> really should flow easily. Yeah. I do find that period blood that's clotted or clumpy or looks like blueberry jam type yeah. um, or is pasty like mud is indicative of estrogen dominance, progesterone deficiency. Uh, that's, you know, something I see often. So we're seeing a trend here. It's a very right? common imbalance. Yeah. I know. Right. No joke. Um, I, I do think that that is, you know, one of the bigger issues, but I also think as well though, that, you know, when you have these kinds of blood clots, like it's really important or clotty, clumpy, uh, flow, it's really important to think about what's happening structurally as well. And so I often have women, first of all, you know, they, I, we have to work on the nutrition side of things. You have to figure out what's, you know, what's going on there with your hormones. So hormone testing is really appropriate in situations like this, yeah. but also looking at the structural side of things. So I have found that 
I, I'm, I'm going to just go there because go there. we're here. Um, but yeah, so basically I would start with castor oil packs. I find that those work really, really well for yeah, uh, clotted, yeah, clumpy type periods that don't flow properly. Vaginal steaming works really well too. Yeah. I feel like I'm terrified to even say that. There's been this whole thing on the UK edition of my book about whether to include vaginal steaming or not because it's I'm a fan. so controversial over there. Really? It's condemned, according to my editor over there, which I thought was so interesting. Yes, it has been highly condemned in the media, uh, I guess, because of Gwyneth Paltrow and her support of it. And I'm like, you know, wait, wait, I don't get it. It's condemned because why? Because, first of all, because the media has decided that it's not something that you should be doing. And, of course, they feel the way they feel about Gwyneth Paltrow and how silly she is and what she, the fact that somebody says something about how she, like, takes advantage of people or whatever. I don't know. I think it's crazy. Yeah, I know. So that and then some high, I I guess some highly acclaimed OBGYNs over there have also come out and said something about it. So... But anyway. it's been done for a gazillion years. and A gazillion years. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I'm like, Gwyneth was definitely not the first person to talk about this, just so you guys all know. But anyway, yeah. I, I have been a huge fan of it for so many years. I mean, I remember talking about it on my blog probably six or seven years ago, and nobody cared then. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like, I, I really advocate for that. I think it works really well for this, this kind of issue. And then also from a structural perspective, maybe you want to see a, you know, an Arvigo Um, practitioner. So you could possibly Mm. do some kind of mind abdominal massage or a pelvic PT to figure out if there is a structural issue happening. Is your uterus misaligned? Like what's going on with it? So I don't know. I feel like clear passage. Is that something you've heard of? Yeah, I have, but I don't know a whole ton about it. I think it's similar, like using body work type of things, but yeah, anything like hands-on like that sounds like it'd be really helpful in case maybe there's a, a, you know, obstruction and a good, like in flow of some sort. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. And then yeah. yeah, I think this is probably a good, I think it's a good stopping point for the questions. Um, any other parting words, anything, you know, just helpful takeaways. Obviously I want you guys all to get her book because you know, it's only an hour ish for the show. We can't give all the, the tips for periods and everybody's so unique, but what's kind of like some good tangible takeaways for most of us listening to help improve our periods. I think that, you know, like I was saying, the first thing is to track your cycle, like know thyself, know thy cycle, literally. And because at the end of the day, you know, we can't outsource our health, right? This current healthcare model is designed in such a way that, you know, someone suffering from menstruation related symptoms is often taken out of the equation of her own healing. So, you know, we're diagnosed uh, based on a set of generic guidelines, we're provided with this treatment plan, and our unique biology and lifestyle are hardly ever taken into consideration. And I feel like this one-size-fits-all course of treatment has become a huge problem, and it's resulted in the you know the widespread misunderstanding of how our cycles work and the fact that we feel like we have no control over them. But I think that the first thing is to start tracking your cycle, start paying attention to what your period actually looks like, like how, you know, how long you're bleeding for, uh, you know, what your period blood color looks like. Um, Are you actually ovulating? If you're not ovulating, you've got to figure out why you're not ovulating. And that usually is related to the food that you're eating, nutrient deficiencies, the stress that you're experiencing in your life, 
or you know potentially something else going on that you would really have to start to dig deeper and figure out what's going on there. So I would say that of all things, like start to get to know your unique cycle, and then from there, you know, start to start to introduce more nutrients into your diet if that's not something that you're doing already, or you feel like maybe that's a part of your you know your healthcare that's maybe lacking a little bit. And you know, I just have women to just start to rethink their plate more than anything, like start to really add in more green vegetables, literally make that the main dish versus the side dish, uh, make the meat on your plate a little bit less, uh, add in some complex carbohydrates, and really start to just focus your plate in that way you know, at every meal that you can. And think about your blood sugar. Think about what it feels like after you eat certain meals that maybe have too much sugar or if you have something that has caffeine in it that is, you know, see how you feel after you've had one of those things, either or. Um, because the goal with blood sugar or balanced blood sugar and how it impacts your hormones is that you really want to feel like you're full for three to four hours after you've eaten and satisfied. Uh, you don't want to have energy dips. You don't want to be craving sugar or caffeine after you've eaten. All of these are going to have profound long-term impacts on your menstrual cycle. I wish I could talk more about blood sugar and our hormones, but yeah. I just feel like that is so critical for all totally. of us. Yeah. Absolutely. I and find that like something too. basic. Oh, mm -hmm. sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say with patients, I feel like I'm a broken record because it's so across the board that I gotta work on blood sugar and I gotta work on adrenals. Right? I mean it's for pretty much like every stage of life, it's it's like a foundation. It really is. Yeah. I know. Speaking of adrenals, I mean, like one of the most basic things we can do in the morning is literally getting up, opening our windows and looking at sunlight, you know, just for a couple of minutes to set our circadian rhythm for the day. Yeah. I mean, that alone can really do wonders for our mental health and our energy. So it's just something as simple as that, as along with just basic food tweaks that can really move the needle on your menstrual cycle. Yeah. hundred percent. I love it. This is such a fun, juicy topic. We could talk all day, <laughs> but we've got things to do. Yes. But um, thank you for spending your time with us. Thank you for putting all of your, you know, pouring it all into your book. I'm excited for people to get it. Definitely keep an eye out, guys. Um, in April, she'll be dropping her book. Where can we send people to in the meantime? Oh, thank you so much for having me. And I would love for everyone to just go to fixyourperiod.com. You can uh, purchase a book there. You can get a whole ton of book bonuses. I've got a period toolkit, <laughs> of course, love for everyone. Um, so yes, you can go there and you can also find me on Instagram. It's Instagram forward slash Nicole M like Madeline Jardim. I, I share a lot of information there. And then of course my blog, which is just at NicoleJardim.com. And I release a new blog post almost every week on all the things we've just been talking about and lots of solutions. So cool. So all you guys listening, you can be the, the, the smartest of all your friends and fix everyone's periods. The coolest <laughs> periodista yeah. on the block. Yeah, yes, totally. exactly. Love it. All right. Thanks again. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Lauren. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love and I'll talk to you soon.